0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we're waiting for you. And I want to tell you right up front that in the regular program this week, I'm doing a brand new series that I want you to watch. Don't miss one of this week's programs because it's rich. And when I started teaching it, I didn't know how rich it was going to be. It is just marvelous. I felt so fed after I taught every program, and I know that it will feed you too. But the whole series is called The Works of the Flesh versus the Fruit of the Spirit. You choose death-permeated works or supernatural life-giving fruit. It's 10 parts, and honestly, Denise, it's the most in-depth thing I've ever heard on this subject from Galatians chapter five. If you feel like you want to have a spiritual feast, dive in because this is really a banquet and it comes with a study guide, which is free. And if you want the study guide, all you have to do is go to render.org. You can download it right now. It is for you. You can use it right now in today's home group and tomorrow's home group, or you can read it while you hear it or see the whole series. It's just amazing. And so please be sure to
1: get yours. And Paul, What do you have over there? I've got Sparkling Gyms number one and Sparkling Gyms number two. Now, about the subject that we're talking about today, you can find a little bit of it in Sparkling Gyms number two, and you can find a lot of it in Sparkling Gyms number one. If you do not have the study guide, you can open directly to July 16. I think that's where we're beginning today. Or, of course, you can download the study guide, and the study guide actually has a little more information than Sparkling gems does, but both of them will be very good for you. If you'd like to get Sparkling gems, number one or number two, of course, you can go to Renner.org. Hey, Denise, what do you have next to you?
2: Well, I have our autobiography called Unlikely. And Rick wrote this and it says, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. And it's in our office's right now. So you can order yours or order ones for somebody else. And what's so exciting about this book is it's not just our story. There's a lot of teaching and that if God can use uh, Rick and I, God can use anybody.
0: Anybody. Amen. That's our testimony. Yes. Paulina, welcome to Home Group. Thank
2: you for having me here. It's It's your
0: first week to be with us in Home Group, and you're with us every day this week.
2: Yes, I'm excited about it. And thank you for what
0: you shared last night. But I feel like I want to begin with prayer because in last night's Home Group, I hit something pretty hard about the works of the flesh. We talked about lewd thoughts, uncleanness, the Greek word porneia, which carries the idea of any sexual relationship outside the context of marriage, any sexual relationship. We talked about asylgeia, which is the Greek word lasciviousness, which is wild, unbridled sex, and it is the same word for the excessive consumption of food. And I talked about people that are overweight. I have nothing against people that are overweight. I have great compassion. Everybody on this home group tonight will tell you, I've really struggled with that in my life. You know, sometimes everybody has an inclination of the flesh that they just have to deal with all the time. Well, in my life, this weight issue has been continuous. Praise God, I have victory in my life. Amen. 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 Lost almost 100 pounds. So thankful. But if you are overweight, I want to tell you that I want to pray for you. Mm -hmm. If you're dealing with thoughts, I want to pray with you. If you're dealing with some unclean relationship, I want to pray for you. Because the power of God in you, the greater one is in you. Mm -hmm has the power to break every vice. Amen. And if you are today sitting in a chair, overweight, immobile, and you know that you're bound in a prison, because it really is a prison. It's really a prison. Especially when you're overweight and you can't move and you know that you're in that condition because you didn't stop eating. You deal with feelings of failure, anger, frustrated because your body's in bad shape. You probably have medical bills. You feel so trapped but the greater one in you can help you walk out of that and father in jesus name i pray right now for the power of the holy spirit in every person dealing with an illicit relationship with unclean thoughts lord with excessive eating no judgment lord you came to save us not to condemn us and father i pray for your saving delivering power And Father, I pray that you would undo everything the enemy has done in that body. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And remember that if you need somebody to pray with you personally, give us a call or send us your email because we want to pray for you. But guys, let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Verse 16. Now this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's kind of our anchor verse for this series. Paul said, this I say then, the Greek literally says lego de. Lego means I say, the word de, D-E, is an exclamation marker, something categorical or emphatic. This I say categorically. There's no room for argument. This I say emphatically. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Will not in Greek is ume will not, in no wise, it's a double negative, you will not, no, never fulfill. The word fulfill, the Greek word teleo, which means to satisfy, gratify, or bring to fulfillment the desires of the flesh. And then tonight, we're going to continue in verse 19, where Paul says, okay, if you don't want to take the way of the Spirit, here's what the flesh has to offer you. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, and we've seen that the word works is the Greek word erga, It's the word for hard labor or hard work. And the first thing that the Bible tells us is if you choose the low road and let your lower self dominate you, it'll squash you. It will produce real labor in your life that's difficult, that you will regret. He calls it work. It's awful. It's awful. And he says the works of the flesh are manifest. The Greek word... Phaneros, which means to appear, to manifest, to become visible, or to become conspicuous. Which means these things are latent in the flesh. That's why it's even in a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, that beautiful little baby, you look at it and you think, what a little angel. And that little angel can be so ugly. Has the capacity for great ugliness. <laughs> well, and they grow up, and if, if they're not saved, they become great sinners. Yes, They don't become sinners later. That's in their flesh. They're born with that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't learn how to subdue it, it eventually becomes conspicuous. That's really what it means when it says the works of the flesh are manifest. And what are they? Well, let's look at it. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Adultery. We saw that last night. The Greek word porneia, which is all forms of sex outside the context of marriage. All of it. Number two, fornication, in Greek it's also the word porneia, both of these are one word in Greek, uncleanness, describes unclean thoughts, lewd thoughts that lead to unclean and lewd actions, lasciviousness, which was listed in Peter chapter 2, verse 6, as the principal sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, when people think about Sodom and Gomorrah, what do they think about? Perversion. Mm-hmm. Sexual perversion. But this word lasciviousness does not just describe sexual perversion. It again is the very Greek word for the excessive consumption of food, which means when we sit around and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat until we make ourselves unhealthy, there's nothing normal about that. In God's view, that's a kind of a perversion. Mm-hmm. You're destroying your body. It's self-destruction. It's listed as Lga in the same category with sexual perversion, which, I mean, when I realized that, it made me really think about overeating because God sees sexual perversion and overeating kind of in the same level. It's something twisted. Then he mentions idolatry. We're gonna cover that tonight. Witchcraft, we're gonna cover that tonight. He said, I'm not a witch. Well, you don't know what the word means. Hatred, variance, and emulations. We're gonna cover all of that tonight. But then he goes on and he says, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. But tonight, we're going to look at idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, and variance. Now here's the problem with the word idolatry. When most people hear the word idolatry, what do they think of? They think of an idol. They might even think of some Naked natives on some island dancing around a statue, you know, with their, their skirts made out of palm leaves and worshiping and cooking people in, you know, their big pots. Well, that's really not what the word idolatry means. Are you guys ready for this? you ready to learn something? Yeah. Always. Paul, you probably already know because you've been teaching out of sparkling gems. <laughs> but the word idolatry is a compound of two words. It is the Greek word "idolon," and the word latreia. Well, if you know Greek, you already know the whole story about what is idolatry. "Idolon" and latreia. The word "idolon" is the Greek word for a man-made idol or a heathen edifice, a pagan statue, or the image of a false god. But the word latreia, here's the key. The word latreia is derived from the Greek word latreou, which means to work or to serve. Well, that already tells us idolatry is not just worshiping something, it is serving it. It's serving it. It primarily has the meaning of an extreme devotion to something, service to something that he worships, and in a positive sense, that word Latrea was used in the Old Testament, positively, to describe the service of the priesthood. And if you were in the priesthood, guess what? It was your job to serve. It wasn't just what you did on the Sabbath. Your whole life was involved in serving in the temple. It was total preoccupation. When you connect the two words together, idolatria is not just worshiping an idol. It's servicing the idol. It means Mm -hmm. to service. Mm -hmm. And so let me help you with this word idolatry. It's anything that you have to give your service to. For example, if God is your chief object of worship, you'll live your whole life to service your relationship with God. And guess what? If you're going to really service your relationship with God, it takes your attention. It really takes your attention. But if there's something else that demands more of your attention and you're servicing your house, for example, maybe you worship your house, you're giving your whole life for your house. Maybe it's your kids. They've taken the place that belongs to God and now your your money, your time, your thoughts, your worry, everything, you're just servicing your kids, servicing your kids. Whatever you service the most, that's what you worship. That's really what it means. And you know, most of us think that we're not idolaters, but if you look at your life, what do you think about more than anything else? Mm. What do you worry about more than anything else? What do you give your time and your focus to more than anything else? And many, even Christians, would have to honestly say, well, it's not Jesus. It's not the Bible. It's my house. It's my family. It's my mother. It's my parents. It's the things I worry about. What are you servicing? (laughs) Could be your savings account. Could be your savings account. That's really what idolatry means. And idolatry is so serious with God that in the Old Testament, we find that when the Philistines... Captured the Ark of the Covenant. You remember the story? Yes, about Dagon. They brought it into the temple of Dagon. They set it on a ledge right with the god Dagon. Dagon was kind of a fish god. When they came into that pagan temple the next day, Dagon was on the floor on its face. There was no earthquake. Nobody pushed it there. God knocked it flat. They didn't get the message. So they picked it up, put it back on the ledge. God The Ark of the Covenant and Dagon on the same ledge together. They came in the next day. It was on the floor again on its face with its heads cut off and its arms and its legs cut off. God slew that idol. That's how serious it is when we give our service to anything more than to the Lord. But the flesh just does it. The flesh takes everything to an extreme. Mm. For example, exercise. Some
1: people just live for exercise. That's another extreme. Even education. Education.
2: Just thinking about that.
1: There, There are some people that I know, they just keep getting more and more and more education, and they don't even use the education that they've got. Now, there's nothing wrong with being educated. It's wonderful to be educated. It's wonderful to be fit. It's wonderful to have a savings account. It's great to have a home. It's excellent to have a great relationship with your husband or with your wife, with your children, with your parents. Those are all wonderful things. But if you put God first, then doing everything as unto the lord becomes the point of it instead of doing it for the purpose of having a house having a savings account having an education if you're doing it all as unto the lord then there's there's meaningfulness in it all and you, and it actually forces you to do things better because god knows that you can do them better instead of doing them for the sake of doing them and actually getting the, the here's the here's the question who is getting the glory That's where you know if it's an idol or not, because if God's getting the glory, then it's not an idol. But if you're getting the glory or if you're giving the glory to someone else or to something else, then it's become an idol. But really, the whole idea of idolatry is being obsessed. Mm -hmm. It's just being
0: obsessed with something. It has your total devotion. And many people are obsessed and they don't even know it. Just ask your spouse or ask your friends what they hear you talk about more than anything else. It might be very revealing to hear what people tell you they hear you talking about more than anything else. And Jesus taught us in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you're obsessed with, whatever you're filled with, your mouth is going to talk about it all the time. Just listen to your mouth. You'll find out what you worship and what you are obsessed with. But again, there's no condemnation. You just need to know the flesh is going to take it to the farthest extreme. Pull it back in. Pull. Nothing wrong with wanting to be good at what you do, but pull it back in. Don't be obsessed with it. That's a work of the flesh. Then it goes on and mentions witchcraft. What in the world is witchcraft? You know, Denise, when I think of witchcraft, I think about Halloween and witches on brooms and with pointed hats. What does witchcraft mean? Okay, here's another word. I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but we're just going to give it to you straight from the Greek. It's the Greek word pharmakia. Pharmacy. Pharmacy. It is the Greek word for medicines or drugs that inhibit a person's personality or changes his behavior. It is the Greek word for mind altering drugs. It's where we get the words pharmaceutical drugs and the word pharmacy. And it was used in connection with sorcery, magic, and witchcraft. And here's the way it worked when Paul was writing this verse Worshippers would come to the temple in a bad mood or they would come with problems and the pagan priests in the pagan temples would give them wine to drink that was mixed with drugs. Well when they would take the drugs they would feel better, they would go home thinking things were going to be better until the effect wore off. And when the effect wore off they'd be coming back to the temple for another dose, they'd go home feeling better, the effect would wear off, they'd come back until finally they developed some kind of an addiction to what they were partaking of. Well, it's very, very interesting that the Bible tells us at the end of the age, the world is going to be filled with pharmakeia. That's what the book of Revelation says. It's the word for pharmaceutical drugs. And if you look at the Western world, particularly, the Western world today takes medication like candy. But here we see the work of the flesh. Now, sometimes medicine's good for you. I'm not telling you not to take your medicine. I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you, the flesh, rather than deal with the real issue, Mm -hmm. sometimes just dopes itself up so it feels better. But the problem is, it doesn't bring a permanent solution. You have to keep taking more and more and more and more and more. And what you really find in this word, witchcraft, the Greek word pharmakeia, is the flesh, rather than dealing with itself, just trying to dope itself. And numb itself, so it doesn't feel and doesn't have to deal with the real issue. It's avoidance. The flesh practices avoidance. What do you, what do you think, Denise?
2: Well, it's an escape from responsibility to, to control ourselves or to find answers and, or, or to say to somebody, uh, "I need help here," just any way to. To escape or hide from what's really going on and not open up and say, I need help. Because when you say, I need help, you're admitting that you have a problem. You're admitting that you um, need to change. And it's a first step towards responsibility. And if we don't take responsibility, if we don't say, this is a problem I need to change or or tell somebody, then we're just going to stay in that closed world and give ourselves excuses and say, but you don't understand. And then we stay in that place of addiction or what you're talking about. And
0: Denise, we are not telling people not to take their medication. Some people really need medication. And if your doctor has given it to you, you need to obey your doctor. But if you're just running to the medicine cabinet so you don't have to deal with you, it's avoidance. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it's what the Bible calls witchcraft. But let's move on. Next, it mentions hatred. The word hatred, the Greek word ekthra, even sounds mean, doesn't it? It's an intense hostility that one feels towards somebody else. Often used to picture enemies in a military conflict and in the New Testament, it primarily denotes a personal enemy or people they cannot get along with each other. When you get in the flesh and live in the flesh, you t- you'll just be unable to get along with some people. But when you move into the realm of the Spirit, you have the supernatural ability to be at peace with all men, which is what we're commanded in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. But when you're in the flesh, you're just in the flesh. It's hostility with somebody. Then it goes on and mentions variance. Now, Paul wants you to refer to this word variance, okay? The word variance is the Greek word eras, used in a political context to denote warring political parties that each had different platforms or agendas, and this word variance can be translated as a party spirit. People who form groups, they get on different sides of an issue, they each begin to promote their ideas even knowing that it could be destructive to the whole group. And this can even happen among Christians. Paul and I were talking about this. Even when you bring spiritual leaders together, eras can take place where they
1: like slug it out with each other. There's a better way. This, that's the way the flesh does it, Paul. There's definitely a better way than fighting it out. But the idea that one person is right and the other person is wrong and your way is the only way, that's an idea of the flesh it, it's, it's our own way of, of elevating ourselves and our way of life and our way of thinking, completely ignoring other people's point of view and not valuing the fact that perhaps the Holy Spirit is in them too and perhaps they have a special perspective that's different from your own. Perhaps they can be right. Perhaps you can be wrong. It's, it's a way of elevating yourselves, uh, yourself above other people and of course it's not of the Spirit. We're supposed to be humble.
0: Well, actually, the word even
1: uh,
0: conveys the idea of elevating yourself at the expense of putting somebody
1: else down. Um, Unfortunately, that happens in church. It It happens all the time. It it really shouldn't, but unfortunately, it happens sometimes in church. Now, sometimes we really think somebody's wrong.
0: I mean, I have lots of opportunities when I I don't agree with somebody. But you know what? You can still be respectful. You can still be loving and kind and not agree.
1: (laughs) Jesus did all the time. Even in church, there's, there, there's a time to say, you know what? They may not know what they're doing. They may not know how hurtful that is. But I'm not going to speak down about them. I, I don't have to put them down in order to elevate myself. I can respect them and their opinion, even if, if I disagree with them. And, and that requires an ele- uh, a level of uh, maturity that... Forces us to move into the spirit. You can only do it in the spirit. But we've got to move on
0: because we're running out of time. There's another word here, emulations. What in the world is emulations? That's one of those words nobody knows what it means. But it's the Greek word zealous, you hear a word? Zeal. It's used in a negative sense to portray a person who is upset because someone else has achieved more or received more. Jealous, envious resentful, filled with ill will for what another person got that he wanted. As a result of not getting what he desired, he is irritated, infuriated, irate, annoyed, provoked, fuming. He is ticked off. And you find this very word used in Acts 7 verse 9 to describe Joseph's brothers who were jealous of Joseph. And you know, when you get jealous and you move in this zealous emulations, you do really bad things. Listen to what they did. And the patriarchs, look how gracious God is. He calls those scoundrel brothers patriarchs. God is so good in the way he speaks to us. And the patriarchs, Joseph's brothers, moved with envy. That's the same word. And what did they do? Sold Joseph into Egypt. When you move in this emulations, you do things that you later regret, and you're even embarrassed that you did. But we don't have to move in any of it. Because Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But when we come back tomorrow, we're going to look at the next ones. Are you guys ready? And the next are wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. We're going through this long list of how the flesh makes itself conspicuous. But Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us say no to the flesh and to move into the realm of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. See you tomorrow, bye-bye.
0: If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.